Happy New Year, everybody. Something you typically never hear on a season finale of Mars on Life. This is the 200th episode of this show. I can't believe it. Uh, we're basically a month and a half away from our the show's four-year anniversary, which is weird to even think of. Uh, guys, here we are. Here Insane. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I can't believe it either. I mean, just just thinking about where we were, where we are now. I mean, where we really are now. Uh, it, it didn't last long, sort of being physical and uh, recording physically. But, you know, we got there eventually. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of dumbfounded, honestly. I didn't think that we would have this much to talk about. I mean, then again, I suppose being cooped up in your home for three years just kind of does that, allows you to talk about whatever you want to talk about without fear of repercussion. I mean, it's online. Like, what, can, what do you want? Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited. And I kind of want to jump into it, but I, I really want to hear everyone's thoughts first. So please the, take the floor away from Okay, <laughs> no love have, that. All right, have, love the energy. No thoughts. There's no thoughts going through my smooth brain right now. Same. I'm just living in the moment or trying to. I'm just the uh. one who makes the stupid jokes. So <laughs> tough crowd. Anyway, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what is funny though? We did the uh, the Batman read through, and I've always been right. in that. And then I am doing a, sh a radio show, like a live radio show thing. It's not actually going to be broadcasted, but it's like you're putting on a play that's a radio show. Um, but I will be Superman in that. So now all I have left to do is be Wonder Woman, and I will have completed the big trio of DC. Oh, God. I just How got... is Matt moving up in the world and I'm not? Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Hell, man. <laughs> I just got the worst... So... I just had the worst thought pop into my head of one day the four of us somehow there's no no way we do it but somehow reading because I don't even think it exists somehow reading like a script version of the 4 hour long Justice League Snyder oh. cut just so Matt and, and, can be and each Wonder one Woman. of and each one of us takes an hour block I mean if we want to do a <laughs> like really bad to... uh reading if we can find for next season if we can find the wonder woman 84 that's a Ooh. really bad movie okay. oh i i avoided nah, that just one do, like just play. do the catwoman movie i mean you have a you have a just endless supply of just turkeys to to you know dip your hand into it just you know hey we're doing this we're doing the room you know i mean that's sort of yeah <laughs> well and that wonder woman like, movie has a cat lady but yeah yeah. Oh, good. Well, it's got everything we today. Need. <laughs> today, we decided to do something a little bit different, but a little bit of the same vein of what we usually do. We went through a bunch of ideas to commemorate this event until we finally decided on the lazy hodgepodge solution of separate topics, separate speakers. 
and the mesh of opinions throughout. Although we decided to add another uh, element or layer to that in that we wanted to simulate not wanting to be called on in class to give their presentation. So thanks to wheelofnames.com's uh, <laughs> randomness wheel generator, gentlemen, I hope you're ready. And the winner is... Fuck. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, all right. Set myself up for that one. Oh, yeah. We have a winner, and I get confetti and fanfare and things like that. Yay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. And actually, I'm, I'm glad that I'm getting this out of the way because it's something that I've really, I never thought I wanted to talk about. But ever since Ryan brought it to my attention, I really want to talk about it. And there will be a timer. So. I'm oh god, that one okay. started. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. I have to, I have to preface by saying oh boy. uh this is a topic not necessarily near and dear to my heart as maybe it would have been 4 years ago. However, in light of recent news, I do have a lot to say. I'm going to try to speed run this and uh yes, notes have been taken, ladies and gentlemen. So here goes. Hey guys, did you hear Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain? Well, not necessarily. So if you do a simple Google search, the first result that you may very well see is Time's article about this topic. Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain after 95 years of Disney copyright. And for someone who despises the bad elements of journalism, sorry, I have to ask this question. Why is it that you feel the need, not you two, but you know, in general, as an industry, feel the need to have a title such as that? Because I'm not saying this as a way to discredit or potentially even grandstand the whole, well, clicks equals money. But this is just basic SEO optimization. It's the first result, but it's misleading. Only Steamboat Willie and Plain Crazy of Mickey Mouse. That version of Mickey Mouse is able to be utilized as it's now in the public domain, and versions post-dating the short are still subject to Disney's copyright. Of course, that doesn't mean animators, illustrators, or Disney fanatics abound aren't going to violate it anyway. So what does that mean? Well... For some background, the original copyright protection lasted until 1984, and thanks to a gaggle fuck of lawyers throughout the decades. In 1976, this allowed owner these this allowed Disney, the owners, to retain the copyright for life of the author plus 50 years. In 1998, another gaggle fuck of lawyers had their run in, and this extended it to the life of the author plus 70 years. In total, 95 years. Since being in the public domain, as of January 1st, 2024, we have two, I guess, more so highly publicized projects than others. We have Into Frame Productions' Mickey Mouse Trap, set to release in 2024 by writer Simon Phillips, and Steamboat Willie by Stephen Lamorte. Um, I'm guessing these are horror movies or video game adaptations. But the real question that I want to ask is, hmm. before being in the public domain, what was available? Well, just about fucking anything you could ever search for with people with internet access, okay? Or as people with internet access. 
And I was really trying to wrap my head around a term, a theory, something. I went through many different philosophical, scientific, psychological sort of definitions. I went through all of Thomas Aquinas's Four Natural Laws theory. I went through Newton's First Law theory. I looked up the work of Immanuel Kant and epistemology. <laughs> I'm trying to find a term to describe what is happening here regarding Mickey Mouse being in the public domain, the various copyright laws associated with it, and just basic human nature of people on the internet and what they will and won't do. I'm going to do some calculations for you in an attempt to sort of, you know, whittle this down a little bit more. Mickey Mouse was created November 18th, 1928, and the internet creation date, to our, to our knowledge, or documented knowledge, was January 1st, 1983. Now, we'll be generous and state that with the stated avail availability to the public on April 30th of 1993, that's 64 and a half years of people sitting on the idea of Disney, of Mickey Mouse, all that time spent potentially being fans of the intellectual property and piecing together their own opinions of it, okay? Let's be generous and state that it took at least a year for internet access to be mainstream and for people to have their own concise opinions about it. All this is to state that Disney's inception and Mickey Mouse's subsequent creation and exposure, there has to have been at least someone from Disney's Genesis period that saw potential and profitability in cartoon animations to warrant themselves becoming a purchaser, consumer, or outright fan. If cause and effect is to be believed, it's likely someone took these opinions and plastered them on early internet forums and message boards. All this to say, Disney was popular? Really? No shit, Seb? I have, a I have a bridge to sell you because we're hopping in our post-war oldmobiles and driving to the magical city of Anaheim on July 17th, 1955, where your very own Huey, Louie, and Dewey's can run amok and run up that wallet. Okay. Hell, by the time they get to be older, to waste their time online, maybe they can, you know, share these opinions and experiences. Maybe, just maybe, they'll have the ability to depict their experiences in a more visual manner. What does that mean for the artist? Okay. Now, art is created for the purpose of expressing a medium, for the purpose of internal, inspirational, or external recognition, compensation, etc. type of fulfillment. Now, my belief, as stated many times on this show, is that art should be created solely out of genuine internal inspiration to do so, and in a non-occupational circumstance without obligation, as well as have the potential external factors aforementioned come as a byproduct of doing so. You're not actively seeking out to be a, a rat fuck in the air of art and profitability. Now, in creating said art, the subjectivity or the oversimplified gray or the oversimplified gray area it encompasses in creating pieces de determinant of their merit this argument exists to provide a groundwork for you know personal experiences and where that is able to take an artist one day most often this occurs when artists utilize a combination of their own imagination supplemented with thoughts ideas imagery and yes even intellectual properties already in existence now 
if you want to understand the artist's role in all this, you can, you know, either found within themselves or through these external validi validity in occupational senses, because after all, we have to eat. The assumption of introducing marketability in one's repertoire is understandable. Um, I would go so far as to say that many artists, like previously myself, in the areas of which I experienced it in, wanted to have some sort of an income from it. But we forget that often artists do this by establishing portfolios. You know, they do so with reels, demos, and slates, whatever the name, it demonstrates who they are and what they bring to the table. For boring suits like me, you could call it a resume. More often than not, these portfolios were given the red carpet treatment from their creators to ensure maximum visibility. And one can only imagine with the advent of the internet, the, these portfolios would find their ways here too. You can sort of graph it in Excel, the, the near vertical curve, uh, depending on new areas or new facets of the internet that were established, such as the advent of social media. Of course, that was a plus. You have the advent of more fully developed visual mediums, video especially, and user interfaces allowing for further personalization and customization. Of course, that's a plus. All for free? I mean, that's an edge right there. Fast forward a bit. The question then is posed of what happens when a community gets established through like-minded artistic interests. Well, in a perfect world, similar to how dough rises when you put it in the oven, a reaction would occur and an effect is seen that inspires people, people becoming fan of the work, and they want to create themselves because they are artistically able to express themselves to do so, whether it be through simple artistic talent or just the notion of free will that exists. However, what if this original artist, this corporation, this entity representing the work is more or less not reciprocating to the fan appeal and appreciation of the original work and the opinions from others? Simply put, what if the artist wants this privatized for specific use only? Disney loves this, by the way. After all the steps taken to ensure this artist's work has amassed the image, the notoriety, and establishment that it has, the artist, not out of nowhere, but now that a certain level of notoriety has been achieved, places sanctions to prevent said work from being utilized for illicit profit or gain. And you can look at this you could either look at this in a boring example of, you know, two sides of every coin. I like to look at it as, well, red pill me would say, well, that makes sense. You know, granted, in the occupational sense. But black pill me kind of finishes that question when I say, but why publish publicly given this risk was always there and that derivatives could be made in the first place? You know, this is to pose... The effervescent question that I've been asking, which I don't consider this event to be sort of a catalyst of me asking this question once again, but I feel like it's more fine-tuned now that January 1st is come and gone. Whatever the term, it is my opinion that the laws of nature dictating that both nature 
and subsequent human behavior beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt argue that nothing will stop artists committing some form of infringement, reproduction, derivative, or inspiration, provided the like-minded interest and demand of said intellectual property is present and available to articulate ideas from. And that human nature doesn't stop and start determinant on the, shall we say, obtuse pseudo-legalities associated with the privatization within the arts argument. And if that was the case, museums' walls would be fucking desolate. So, that textbook answer aside, given this topic, anecdotally, what do I think of the recent news? It's, uh, well, sky's the limit. Um, I would say go nuts with your ideas and have a legitimately good time giving the Sixth Amendment its money's worth. You know, I'd say keep creating. I wouldn't say allow this seemingly small victory within the public domain space. And I say small victory because, as stated previously, this is only Steamboat Willie. This is only plain crazy. This is only classic Mickey as he was back in the day. This is not any sort of resemblance of Mickey that by chance you grew up with or your children grew up with. This is not the familiar Mickey uh, that, um, you know, while establishing and maintaining a legacy, it's it's not something that people familiarize themselves with outside of going to Disney World or Disneyland. However, don't let that detract you from your drive to create, you know. I'd say read the room and paint the fucking walls while you're at it. So... Uh, what do I think? More so anecdotally, I want to extend the thanks for YouTube for giving me a platform to read these stories and to experience these sort of artistic qualities that I can now consider them my fans to, to emphasize and to establish identities around. Um, I'm not going to say that reading stories related to Disney, well, actually, I'm not going to get on here and lie and say that reading reading scary stories and, you know, creepypastas attributing Disney and its intellectual properties didn't constitute an uptick in channel growth, because it did. I can graphically, I can statistically and financially document that as the the reason of having a sharp uptick in my channel. And I'm forever grateful, not for the intellectual property that Disney shat out in the 20s, but for the fact that individuals were inspired genuinely to create content that they didn't find themselves feeling under the gun to do so. So, yeah, granted, it's going to be an amazing, it's going to be an amazing catalyst uh, regarding other characters and regarding other uh, sort of circumstantial cartoons and, and IPs that eventually when copyright law d dies out, that people can, I guess, feel safe in creating now. But if you want to throw the whole subjectivity argument in my face and say that, well, couple that with nature not being able to be controlled as well as having unfettered internet access and try to... in instill laws in an otherwise lawless cyberspace 
good luck. I mean, <laughs> like, what do you want? You're not, you're not going to tame this beast. And I don't think the, I don't think the error or grievances of copyright law has stopped people nor will stop people. So I'm happy. I'm happy that people can find uh, solace and I guess a new lust for life given the news, but, or lust for, for artistic life, but you know, I'm happy. I'm genuinely, uh, floored with what I've seen and I, I, I can't wait to see more. So I don't know. This is usually the time when, you know, if the presentation's over the, you know, Oh, questions, but sure. The floor is yours. Once again, China, China, copyright law. What's that? laughs and knockoff uh something 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 supreme leader looks like winnie the pooh something something uh funny meme something something was up beijing i don't know obama mic drop or whatever <laughs> you've seen the memes like I'm acting like people haven't been on the internet and not already sharing these ideas. Like I really tried to dumb it down and make it so that make the point known that you really think in the entire spectrum that is human nature and human error, you mean to tell me that someone didn't take this idea, fucking ran with it in the advent of the internet, didn't share their thoughts, didn't share their artistic visions, didn't share their fan work, didn't do anything from DeviantArt to 4chan to hentai haven you mean to tell me there's not one single piece of derivative media fuck off it's gonna happen and again the term is very much i'm very much losing it right now because i went through different different sort of pseudo definitions of what i thought it would be until i sort of Stumbled upon determinism, otherwise known as the events being completely determined by previously existing causes. I really sort of wanted to huddle the theory that forces of nature can't be controlled. And by forces of nature, I mean uh, humans. What are you going to do? Honestly, like what you're going to you're going to try to instill this sense of law and order in a subspace that otherwise doesn't have any and is often looked upon as a lawless no man land like you you, mm -hmm. you can't and anyone who tries to instill these laws i mean if you want to take the if you want to take the disney approach and uh speak their language well that just isn't fun you need to loosen up if you ever played toontown that's kind of you know the goal is to not is to is to bring joy back into the world. And it's funny that your enemies, the cogs, are the very same people that uh, Disney is now sort of idolized for being as like a ruthless tycoon or tyrant. It's like, yeah, you're really... I wouldn't say jumping the shark, but it was a product of its day, and I'd recommend you play the game. Made by Disney, too. So, you know, ironic. Ironic. Questions, comments, how much time do I have left? Uh, you've got just under 12 minutes. Okay. Well, well see, I did not expect the mans <laughs> to have a whole scripted thing to go. I'm just, 
I was just gonna wing mine, so yeah, I feel I have to up my game now. I feel highly yeah. unprepared for I, what we were planning on doing today. So it's um, yeah, it, it's something that way I to was go first, really Seth. passionate about. Yeah, well, it's no, something I was really passionate about as I kept writing it, and I'm like, no, this shouldn't take more than a minute. But I'm realizing more and more, just sort of anecdotally, how it's affected me. It's affected people that I've known. Why does it need to affect? Why does it need to affect people in that way? If in the advent of the internet, this is the primary place to share and and congregate ideas. Like I guess in the more simplified version, like the the most bare bones and knuckle dragging question that I could ask is how does copyright law find its place on the internet? And where does it have a place, if any? If any, I, I'm wondering how something like this could be policed in the fucking void that it is. I mean, yeah, granted, you have tactics, you have your cease and de desist attempts, you have your lawyers threatening to <clears throat> threaten. I mean, that, that that's it at the end of the day. But I'm very much wondering how this exists in the world and them and these entities not even taking into account the consideration of people who have been adoring fans. Disneyland still proves, stands the test of time that even in a pandemic, those doors will not close or the revenue will not stop coming in. So it makes me wonder that, it, that of all the diehardness for this corporation and the millions and millions of fans that, that this corporation has spawned, that they would somehow flip the script on themselves and be like, no, we don't want people who are fans of us singing our praises being inspired to genuinely create if they happen to have an artistic bone in their body. That makes no sense to me. And I feel like in the advent of the internet especially, you can't have it both ways. I don't know. It just seems like a fool's bet to try to go against, you know, the masses on this one. But it hasn't like diminished there. I don't know if it's appropriate to interrupt, but I mean, I don't think anyone has ever boycotted Disney for or any brand for that matter for their harsh stances on copyright. I mean, we know Disney's going to clamp down, but I've never heard somebody ever say, well, I don't support Disney or watch anything Disney related because they're hard asses on copyright. I've like people boycott things for other reasons, but I've never heard a boycott to that level for an ultra powerful copyright ar lawyer army uh, business like that. I mean, I, I have heard of uh, not to be that guy at the party, but I have heard of uh, socialists in Chile that wave their fists at Disney, especially after the coup, where uh, before the coup, the United States, I don't know, federal government or the army or both, uh, were quite literally distributing Disney pamphlets talking about how great the United States is and why Latin American countries are not so great, to put it delicately. And it was something that caused a lot of controversy for years and years where uh i believe his name is ariel dorfman he was one of the chileans who was like uh this uh this little relationship between you know 
U.S. imperialism and Disney of all things, it's it's not so uh, it's not so bueno. And it literally got to the point where uh, they he I think was the author author of a book called uh, oh god what was it it was like something Donald Duck, and Donald Duck's head was literally the United States. It's it's a wild cover. Um, how to read Donald Duck, and after the coup, the book was banned and subsequently burnt in the in the country. And I think even Disney tried taking legal action because they reproduced uh, they reproduced the comics in the pages of their book. And they're like, well, we're trying to raise a point that makes you look bad. And unless you're going to deny it, which you're not, this came from you. So we're going to keep publishing this, whether we're in Chile or in exile. And the book is still in print today. You know, I think their last updated edition was some years ago, but... Yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, you could be Ralph Steadman and literally draw an image of Mickey with doing the, the Nixon peace sign and have uh, a little uh, symbol on his shirt. And as far as I know, Disney never came after him or this book. So Fear and Loathing in Las Unfathom Vegas. Unfathomably based. Because they knew that he would probably die of overdose before they could pursue legal action um <laughs> shit i mean i don't know it, it just it, it seems to me like it's a fool's bet to try to have any kind of policing in this sort of space and if the argument of privatization of the arts which i you know just declaringly mocked a couple minutes ago is the genuine reason for this sort of upheaval or even restriction? Because like I said, this is just a facet of Mickey Mouse being released to the public. Disney has uh, has, has has taken the, the 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 genie cuffs Aladdin style and said, You are free to go, but but you're not. So Is that going to stop people from doing what they've already been doing? No. And my request is that artists, corporations, entities, whatever produces this type of work that has become popular, understands, the, understands that their bed is made and they need to lie in it. It doesn't mean that you know, you've sealed your fate if Timmy Two Tits over there can't use Mickey Mouse for his own his own personal benefit or just because he likes the character. God forbid. I think this was Disney but, that did this. Yeah. But I I, I wanna say that it no oh, no wait, it was it it might have been Disney who did this. I think this was Disney, but there was a kid who like really liked a certain Disney character. I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but they wanted because the kid passed away probably from i think a disease uh they want the family put like an image of the character on the kid's tombstone and allegedly according to the urban legend disney got mad and tried to make them remove it Ugh. why the person is is, is because six disney. feet under the, the person is six feet under has no way to defend him or herself because Disney how do you take legal Disney? action in a certain no i i i get that 
the point is is that it's fucking asinine to do something like that and i feel like the guy standing on the soap soapbox in the middle of times square ringing my bell saying how is this okay when it's very clearly not okay like anyone with activity above the brainstem would know that that's absolute dog shit in terms of just you know there comes a point where like ethics come into play here and it's just why would you even go so far as to say we're a family friendly company you know maybe in recent years people have taken our wokeness to such an extreme that maybe we're not called that anymore but back then i i could venture to guess that we as disney were a family friendly company uh how do we appeal to the masses in instilling these um you know these ethics these morals sue the dead so and and andrew shared what? the article with about this and i'm i'm oh, genuinely real. i i'm i'm slack-jawed by it because this headline from the independent Disney has refused a grieving father's wish to put a picture of Spider-Man on his four-year-old son's gravestone in order to preserve the character's innocence. Now, okay, so it was it was Spider-Man. Was this Disney Spider-Man or just Spider-Man Spider-Man from Marvel? Hold on. Well, let's look at the year. Still, it could still be 2019. Did Disney acquire? That's Disney Spider-Man. This is like a subreddit simulator oh, headline. I can't believe wow. this. That's Disney Spider-Man. So my I I. I know enough no, about Spider-Man. No, is that Sony then? No, it would be Disney. That's a th yeah, I know, that's the other Go thing. On. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. The, the thing that I can't get over about that with the character's innocence, um, I mean, I've seen a bunch of the movies. I know a little bit about Spider-Man. I had one of those big, like, encyclopedia books when I was younger. Um, and I have since learned of the Dark Knight Returns equivalent of Spider-Man, where he's an old man. And he comes back to be Spider-Man, and it's pathetic. Um, just so I make sure I get this in before uh, we run out of time. But the character of Spider-Man in that story, Mary Jane is dead. And the reason for it, which you find out later on in the story, spoilers, if you ever read, Sp I think it's called Spider-Man Reign. Mary Jane died from cancer. The reason Matt's nodding because he knows where this is going. She died from cancer because of all, all of Peter Parker's bodily fluids, all of them, emphasis Palpatine, all of them, all of them, were radioactive. And that's what killed her. Cancer come. So, you want to talk about innocence of a character? I hate to break it to you, but Marvel kind of broke that spine a long time ago but sure why not why not anyway if you're on the internet post whatever the damn hell you want i mean i think spider-man also lost his innocence that's when, the, I, he, yeah his innocence was broken when gwen stacy's spine was broken so and with that we have completed sebastian's <laughs> segment <laughs> really the godzilla the godzilla roaring you couldn't have done you know you couldn't have done the steamboat willy whistle i mean hey we could use it now uh I i've only got so All many right. sounds on this phone and it's my mom's ringtone so you know i 
All right. Good present. So, so this is the time where, you know, all the students half-heartedly clap and I, you know, sort of waddle with my tail between my legs back to my seat. Eh, I probably got a B minus on that report. Next up. And there was much rejoicing. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have a winner indeed. Oof. All right. Well, if you don't want to go, I can go because. Oh, I mean... I, I, I'm ready to go, but you sound ready to go. Uh, but all right, let me just copy paste. Let me just insert something into this Google or yeah, Google sheet, which I am. I didn't back I'm still down working. from mine. <laughs> I'm ready. I but took I it like Matt's a champ really and I ready. set the bar. Okay, you did. I have to look. All right, so quotes. So <laughs> when Matt, so when Matt gets picked on next, because there's only two names left, um, it, it'll it'll just be you, Drew. Okay, Matt. Okay. Or yours. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. All right, so um, re I, I have been reading a bit recently. I've been doing a lot more reading. I have not started reading any of the year and a half worth of comics that I have amassed, which are now have stopped taking over my garage and are taking over my bedroom and are also taking over the uh, trunk of my car. Um, among other things that I've started reading are um, horror stories for the... Speaking of public domain, public domain horror stories for the... Um, podcast the dark domain podcast that i do and i'm very slowly working on um and among other things i've been reading a lot of um memoirs and, and biographies or autobiographies because i think people's lives are fairly interesting um and recently i came into a i think i, I would say it's a fairly rare autobiography I, as far as i know there may be only like a couple copies of this still floating around in the world um this is probably one of the rarest books I own. And uh, I just thought just to, to prefix it, preface it, um, I was going to read a, a, a couple of snippets of it, some, some lines that I liked. Um, it's not a, a, a usual um, memoir. I would say, I, I would say it's, it reads like a very cynical film noir kind of a, a, a thing like that, that darker, like grittier, like, I'm angry at the world for various reasons. Um, but I digress. I'm going to just read a little bit of it. Y'all can stop me when when you think that you've had enough because, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to find a chunk that I thought was particularly gritty and film noir-y. Yeah. And I don't want the cover to, to give this away, so I'm going to stop my video real quick. <clears throat> Oh, God, it's already scary. What is that, a Helvetica text? <laughs> <clears throat> Alongside merely looking the part of a trashed, coked-up, tetanus-riddled abode that seemingly has all the answers when it comes to finding the best time in town, one large portion of being a fraternity brother, often overlooked for obvious reasons, is risk management, i.e., as long as the puke stays outside as, along with the police, then jive as you desire. Of course, this includes... Hey, hey, no hey, shit, th right? those cases... Those cases were dropped when I was risk management. I'm kidding. Of course, this includes women. No shit, right? It doesn't take a goddamn brain scientist or rocket surgeon to realize just how narrow of a bridge, how gray of a color that situation can go when it comes to man and woman, both intoxicated, not to mention horned up on ha-ha hash. Fortunately, my parents didn't completely fuck up the in the common sense department when it came to dealing with others. Uh, 
skipping over to another line that I particularly enjoyed. <laughs> I had never used Tinder up until that point for roughly the same reason I never tried heroin. Accidental spraying of fluids and regret. What? <laughs> what is this, so, Arnold's new self-help book? Dude, how did you get my autobiography, so, <laughs> bro? Stop. Um, This is, in fact, a... Hold on, let me turn on the... Uh, so this is, in fact, a book called Matchsticks and Honeybees, Insidious Memoirs from a Snake in the Grass, written by uh, a certain... Uh, where is the author page? A certain... Sebastian Robert Shug slash Nicholas M. Parker. Oh, jeez. That pen name is recessed. Oh, I got chills just now. I knew that writing style sounded familiar. Man. At what point did you realize what I was reading from? Um, When I saw the bricks on the back cover, yeah, I, that was, wow. Wait, you okay. didn't realize I, it until I, I showed the cover? Okay, I got to be honest. Um, I totally forgot about that. I mean, I knew that that was something that I had written back when I was just a soulless writer junkie. Um, who thought that I was so self-important in the world and could make anyone's head spin. Uh, oh, God. That See, brought me back. I acquired this because when you came over to, to hang out over pizza at one point, you'd mentioned that you'd written a book. And you'd mentioned, I think, the only surviving copy, if I'm correct, went to Ryan yeah. Mancini. And mm -hmm. I told Ryan that he told me that you told me he had it. And so when we were doing gift exchange, when Ryan came back, this was passed on into my possession. So now I think this is probably the rarest book that I own and that only one was ever produced. Oh, God. I mean, I'm letting you borrow it. Like, like that was a birthday <laughs> gift, but yeah. I own it temporarily until you come and collect it from me. Yeah, that's all right. It's, yeah, because so I'm sure as hell not going to collect it. So until you come back, it is in my possession. It will go back to Ryan and be treasured and cherished, and I will be sad because I will no longer have this beauty of a book. This, so uh, the cynical Matt and I will just trade it every six so, months. Just so so own. the so so the self righteous question has to be asked: What'd you think? <laughs> I thought bad. it was. I know. I know it's bad. <laughs> I thought it was interesting to finally get like the the written context behind some of the stories you've you shared. Um, yeah, that that book is filled with pretty much nothing some, uh... but that book is pretty much filled with nothing but collegiate regret. Um, it's you know, angsty. I, it's very it's angsty. So angsty. <laughs> it's just it's just me understanding what it is to be a man in college, and I think mistakes abound. Obviously, I mean that's literally all it is. Um, when I made the joke of how'd you get my autobiography, I didn't think you actually meant it. <laughs> that was a surprise. I thought you did. <laughs> no, I thought you I realized. Mean, I knew that I had mentioned it to you, and it's something that hey, if you want to laugh, you know, everyone's first jaunt is into writing is terrible. Uh, hey, g give it a read, kind of thing. But I didn't think that that would be followed through on, courtesy um, of Ryan Mancini. <laughs> yeah, but. Wow. I, I was reading it and it's like, wh why does this feel like I'm reading film noir? Like the oh, grizzled detective, yeah. like angsty at the world, that the, the dame that got away, you broke your heart and murdered the other dame you were you were 
madly in love with and then went off into the distance only to haunt you tantalizingly ever since. I can I safely say... Yeah, it sounds like Pulp. It sounds wow. like Bukowski, uh, Bukowski's last. Really? Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's some... I mean, hey, I don't, I don't consider myself a... Uh, I don't consider myself to be a a scholar by any means i just i think back then i had a lot of ideas that i wanted to get on paper and in in processing a lot of what was written there i was really just trying to find solace in like finding solace or peace in myself of like forgiving what i had done even though what i had done was not bad in the slightest. In fact, I would venture to guess that this is probably every everyone's romantic jaunt in high school and college in making mistakes, in being an asshole, in learning. Um, I cringe at hearing that and realizing, but I cringe because I've I've matured, I like to believe. Um all right, go read another Personal passage. I'm sure we have, like, I'm sure we have like 10 more minutes. <laughs> Uh, I want to I want to know where you got the pen name from and what was like the process of writing this for you revising this for you like deciding what like well I mean you know what yeah. stories you're going to tell obviously but like writing it revising it getting it published like having it in your hands deciding you I don't want it Ryan take it and then now realizing that oh god I have just read part of your life story into the ether so so pen name uh, was a combination of a old familial name and I really hate to say it. I really, it's cringe. It's cringe. I'm just going gonna, gonna to say it, you know? And it fits into line with the whole Disney Marvel discussion that we were talking about literally five minutes ago. Parker, Peter Parker, uh, split identity. And I thought having a pen name was so cool in sort of the artist ether, if you will, in that, oh, I could attribute certain things to certain names and oh no one would be the wiser <laughs> of course it was just me probably experiencing that you know i may have early onset bpd uh maybe who knows but but that's my answer where the name came from it's just a combination of uh i guess what sounded cool at the time okay. uh and then the process i remember it I was actually in Spain at the time. I was, it was family travel and I had a notebook with me and I was in my feels quite a bit if I could be vulnerable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just decided to pick up a, I just decided to pick up a pen and write about the experiences that I had mainly just as a way to, Help me process it, but also, you know, back when I did publish, of course, I don't do so anymore, um, maybe serve as a cautionary tale. I didn't intend, I didn't intend to put myself out there as an artist or author who was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I sort of wanted those, at least this genre that I was attempting to familiarize other people with that. And familiarize myself with that. I had written a lot of sort of... I'd written a lot of stories that you could classify as sort of character inserts or self-inserts. And although those are cringe in their own right, it also helped me sort of 
push the envelope artistically of like what I could see myself fictionally doing if given the opportunity to do so. Um, I don't know. I, I guess you could say that it was like a form of therapy for me. I mean, it. I can certainly say that it helped me at the time. Right now, looking back on it and hearing those words, yeah, a lot of it was sort of comedic and drastic hyperbole. But honestly, that's just sort of the inspiration that I drew from back then as well. I think one of my, f I, th I think I was reading from that chapter. My favorite chapter is where you get like, you almost get jumped and was it like Long Beach? <laughs> oh God, man. Yeah, I did. Uh, not Long Beach. It was Altadena. Altadena. Okay. Yes. Like the milk brand. <laughs> like the milk brand. Yes. <laughs> um. Long story short, I, uh, I had dropped someone off at their apartment and it was late at night and I was heading back to my car and I was approached by two choice gentlemen on the street. And I will say this, if it wasn't for my letters that I was wearing, I would have probably not gotten away with that unscathed because they attributed the letters to you know, hey, killer parties, good times, women, drinks, drugs, alcohol, you know, what what have you. And they were like, okay, I no longer see this person on the street as someone I want to jump, but someone who I can potentially use as like a party contact, if that makes any sense. So I guess you could say I fall out New Vegas speech checked my way out of there. Hmm. Red flag level. Gentrification sounds pretty nice about now. Whoa, whoa, Holmes, where are you off to in such a hurry? Fuck, fuck me. Without exaggeration, had the Mario Brothers taken up carpentry and a lack of modellos, <laughs> a rack of modellos per hour, that was about the best way to adequately sum up these two. Clearly drunk, swaying back and forth, yapping my ear off as he was really sorry about what he had to do to me, fool. As well as to yeah. not move essay, his partner remained silent. My voice began to shake at the questions he asked of me, at one point asking for my ID for some reason. The two bickered back and forth a few times, clearly sizing me up. Now, if you were in my shoes, just out of running distance and not fully committed to your base fight-and-flight instincts, just how the hell would you even begin to consider approaching something like this? I felt confident that I could do both, should I have to, though who's to say I couldn't use this as an opportunity to practice one of my favorite activities outside of writing and illustrating? Public speaking. More specifically, persuasion. Persuasion check, Sebastian. There you go. Yes, it sounds shitty. I know it does. But in talking and acting in disguise as a proper fuckboy was an art of spe in speech itself, a form in which I had ample practice in and was now to meet with my first official exam to survive in the ghetto itself. Fuck yeah, I made conversation. I yapped their goddamn ears off those two greasy fucks. I told them about you too. The night we had just had, that college was everything they both had sexually heard about and then some. The three of us laughed. Yes, laughed at our exchanges together. Luigi made a pass in my jacket bearing my fraternity letters. He must have put two and two together at that moment because I'll never forget for the life with me the dialogue that followed huh xyz eh that's some kind of fraternity right you know it man yeah hmm you guys throw some killer parties then huh that we do you guys a lot of bitches invite a lot of bitches to those things and eh, they usually just show up at our front door but more or less dot 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 foo that's sick i think i could get you think i could get your number homie red flag level dude ah <laughs> sure man fucking smooth mario spoke up after a few seconds shaking his head and what i now conclude was his attempt at endearment man i'm pissed off right now homie why foo this dude hasn't given me a single reason to beat the shit out of him yet. 
You want to talk to me about some poetic irony? I'll raise you double every time. But that didn't stop him from at least stumbling closer, stumbling closer in my general direction, only to be stopped by his right-hand man. Go ahead, get out of here, kid. See you around. For sure, lying through my teeth all the way to the car. I'll never stop to step that hard on the gas pedal in my life before. I've since never stepped foot in that area again. I wouldn't if you paid me. And yet, in the days following, if you'd had the nerve to ask me if we could see each other again, kids, a word of advice, pussy ain't worth the war zone. It's a work of art, Sebastian. A work of art. My lawyer has advised me not to comment. Um... <laughs> it's a work of art. Uh... <clears throat> <laughs> thanks uh really that <laughs> just relitigated a whole bunch of memories that uh it, it's a good story that i i often tell myself every now and then you know you survived man you literally speech checked your way out of getting jumped come on charisma i did that, I, that's I, like you had riz before we knew what riz was Oh, I D20'd multiple times. I didn't even know I was doing it. But yeah, I mean, hey, it's like I said, if that piece of work instills something in you, Matt, now that you are the sole owner for now. The sole temporary owner, Ryan, you will you will get it back when soon as you come visit again. Uh, as soon as you do come visit again. That's all that matters. You know, if you happen to take away anything from those experiences. Do we just sisterhood of the traveling pants this book? <laughs> hey, if you put we, if, I think if, we did. if you put that, if you put like my cartoon face on my epitaph, I promise I won't come sue you. I promise. <laughs> I promise I will not pursue legal litigation. I promise. Uh, Ryan? How much time we got left? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm trying to collect my own thoughts. Um, any other questions? <laughs> there, there's like 13 minutes, so I'm trying to think of something. Uh, I mean, there's clearly a Pinocchio uh, motif going on here, Sebastian, with the uh, Thank you. donkey stuff. Pleasure Island. And Is there the, illustrations uh, inside? There's no uh, illustrations no. inside. No, I had to imagine all of the sorted activities. Although I did read it in Sebastian's voice, I very clearly heard your voice in my head I as I was too. reading it. It's like, mm. okay, this is this is this could be no one else other than Sebastian Chuck. There are no ghost writers here. Typically, typically <sighs> when I read books, I I like actually go out of my way to try and hear the author's voice if I know the author's voice, and hoping. I, I can imagine what their voice sounds like if they spoke English. Uh, Albert Camus. But, yeah, in Sebastian's case, like, it was pretty easy to get through it and picture every single moment as, like, yep, sounds like something he's told me. Yep, that would happen to him. Yep. This is how I spent my Christmas break. Just letting you know. <laughs> well, the the best part, and I, I won't try and, like, totally unveil even though i kind of will i won't totally sure. unveil uh some of the things i did while on uh my on christmas break but so matt, uh matt opens up the bag that has his gifts in it mm. and he takes out the initial gift which was a gift from the autry museum and then uh 
he looks back into the bag because he knows there's something else still in there. And he looks at it. The look on Matt's face. I don't even think Matt was this excited when him and I... Uh, I'm trying to remember. Did you and I both go to Brave New World uh, Comics while we were at the Signal? I don't, I don't know if we went there to, to, as like a dual assignment thing. I'd been right. going there just for years because comic books. Um, but we went together for the uh, Diet Nimby, the the actual real Diet Nimby. Yeah, we, we... <laughs> yeah. Um, like I I have never seen Matt Matt's face just light up like that. Like he looked into the bag and it was just ooh. You know, like it was just <laughs> it was so it was so funny to watch, and the whole time Taylor watched, like it. you know, it was what I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> Clearly, I was not. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it was it was fun, and I mean, even just trying to remember some of the instances in the book, like again, it, it there's a lot of it that felt relatable and then there was a lot of it that i was like yeah this sounds like something sebastian got himself into and had to be like oh shit here we go again so <laughs> <laughs> uh... memories not all good ones but all lessons to be sure i mean that wraps ah, it up for me I, unless any of you kidding. have they were all they were all good comments memories. well i i don't know i mean when i think when I think back on the book, like, do you ever see yourself, I don't know, one day expanding on it and, I don't know, try and find a publisher who would publish it? Or, uh, my sort of independent nature of publishing was spurred more or less out of consequence. Um, mm -hmm. It's not to say that attempts haven't been made to be picked up by a national or even regional publisher. It's just the fact that they all sort of went up in smoke. Um, the publishers that weren't willing to take me at the time were publishers that were very much looking to take me for a small eh, mortgage level fee. We're talking like thousands of dollars, tens of thousands. Vanity of dollars. publishers. Vanity publishers, exactly. And I was actually just contacted by one of them, not going to say names, but they were offering in their email a variety of publishing packages, one ranging from 300 to the highest tier being over $16,000. And this was an email request that I created back in 2016. So I would have been a senior in high school going into college, and it took them this long to get back to my email. And of course, at the time, I was dumb and naive, and I didn't really know what the difference between a vanity publisher and a publisher like Simon & Schuster or Penguin or Random House would do, or you know, just the differences between them. So I thought, oh, okay. Of course, I didn't fork over that much money because I'm not an idiot, but I realized that um, good literary work don't make an audience. I.e., you can spend as much money as you want on your vanity publication because that's what it's going to start out as. That does not guarantee a successful audience, readership, or even a profit. Good luck. So self-publishing, whether it be through you know, 
first, second, and third party online retailers was really the only solution. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I stretched that artistic limb and, and, and distribution channels as, as many as it could and, or as many as they were available to give me. And, um, I think I I think like the most important thing of all is that even despite it all, it was fun. Like I had a good time. I didn't make much money from it. Uh, I like to say that I made more money in eleven months of YouTube than I did in seven months of publishing. And and you know you you can't really argue against the numbers on that one. Mm -hmm. But it was fun. I'll never forget that experience. In the question of maybe expanding them. I don't think the opportunity to publish in maybe the ways that I would have wanted to, i.e. signing with a publisher, you know, the, the the difficulty in doing so is still very much there. And it's probably even more difficult. So would I go back to sort of the the self-publishing route that I was that I was doing? Yeah, maybe. Hmm. And if not, now that I have something like an outlet like YouTube, narration. Is probably the next lateral move. Get into those Doctor Who audio dramas. <laughs> uh, Drew, you remarked something. I, I didn't know if you had a question or what. I didn't. I didn't mean to. Oh, cut you I off. guess it was just more curious because, like, you know, uh, well, like, boring questions. I'm curious how long it took to put it together because it's just like I think that's the most daunting thing of anybody thinking about something like this like how long does it actually take to put together ultimately it depends uh this book was a collection of short stories at least that's I mean just sort of how it was in in the uh, hodgepodginess of it all where I would write a short where I would write a short story and depending on how much that story sort of lent to the table I would take as many pages as I needed to um, this is not a statistic for most authors in fact I would go so far as to say is what I'm about to tell you is emblematic of someone who just doesn't give a shit in terms of quality this book took me about three months to put together prevalent authors often take longer years potentially decades so the fact that i was able to scrape together these stories in such a short amount of time i mean you could make an argument you know oh that, that stands testament to its merit okay sure matt has the only copy available so success who's heard of it but i didn't stop writing it if that made sense i was very i was very determined to finish it I was very um, enthusiastic to finish it at the time when I was sort of processing all those emotions. It made me want to write more and remember more. And you could say that in my in my feelings or in my processing of feelings that exacerbated it a lot more to continue writing. But uh, short answer is, I mean, however long it takes you. Me, it took me a summer. A lot more well-recognized authors take longer, and also that depends on the length of the book. The book itself it took Bukowski three weeks to do uh, post office. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
Well, there's always room for part two, man. I mean, even if it's just like stays in the in the Seb vault or in the Disney vault forever. <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I I do thank you all for kind of going down this memory lane with me. I mean, I thought I didn't think I'd be speaking more on this topic because it's Matt's time, and I'm sorry for taking up your time. No, 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 like... no, no. This is what I wanted. <laughs> okay. I was very curious. I was very, very, very curious it, it, to dive into this world of debauchery and uh, in film noir musings. Um, also, I mean, hey, I'm also I'll... in the middle of working, so I don't have much to actually talk about. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you talk about it. So this was me hitting multiple birds with a single goddamn book. <laughs> hey, we get it to we get it in Drew's hands. This thing will be passed more more times than chlamydia. It'll be great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we are book seriously, will, we're sisterhood this, of traveling pantsing it. This book will share yep. so much spit, you won't tell what gene pool it belongs to. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what else to add other than, you know, it, it's a phenomenal read. Normally, after I say that brief little collection of words, I would normally say, go out and get a copy, but... Uh, no. Sorry, you, you can't. Not available. You can't find it. It's nowhere to be found. You, can't you can bribe it. one of us, maybe. <laughs> Although yeah, you did have, says it's out of stock. So. Yeah, yeah, there was one book because I do follow your author page, even though I oh I please don't. don't. Like, I don't that like thing, Amazon. Thing, yeah, that I thing doesn't I... even that thing doesn't <laughs> even exist anymore. I and I yeah. Ah oh, shoot. Okay, hang on. Let me see. It's if okay. I can find it. Tell you what. Uh. And because we're almost out of time, I'll just say this. It's not worth searching for because really that kind of persona of me has died a long time ago. And truth be told, it's not what I want to do anymore artistically. Uh, but if I can leave with parting words of if a piece of art can invoke feelings or something that you can take away from it, uh, or even if it's remembered in some capacity like it is now, and I'm currently cringing over now. I mean, it's um, that that's that's really all it can do at the end of the day. Because one day I'm going to leave this earth, and I don't know, maybe people will find these audio archives amusing, and uh, I don't know, maybe the maybe the whole genre of people reminiscing about themselves online will will take more center stage down down the line in the future. Ah, here we go. Sebastian Shug. Uh, yeah, there's one book on here. Oh, no, yeah, there's a whole political compass. Your dad at Thanksgiving. Huh. All right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we deciding, deciding who's next? Oh, there we go. Perfect. Hey, we ran the gamut. Again. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan or Matt? Just kidding. It's Ryan or Drew. All right, Drew, you're up. Oh my God. Looks right. like it sandwiched itself pretty well between two OGs and the two Greenhorns. Just kidding. You you've been on more episodes than I have. Where'd you think, Drew? About? All you. Oh man. Um. All right. <clears throat> this one might be a little, <clears throat> a little different, but um. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to talk about. You know, I when I was thinking about this challenge, 
I the first thought like what can I talk about for 30 minutes I'm not gonna monologue for 30 minutes but like I was like what can I talk about for 30 minutes and like I remember I reminded reminded me of challenges in middle school when like oh can you talk about 30 seconds consecutively for any subject yada yada and then <clears throat> excuse my throat and then I started thinking um, hey, I was always impressed by sports radio hosts who could talk for hours on end by themselves, not even covering in a game, talking about why, you know, player X won't be as good as LeBron James or why the Patriots suck, even though the guys are like fat pizza eaters who never play football or like, you know, like why my opinion is more valid than yours. So I know they do this in politics all the time, but I just feel like in politics, there's so much more ammunition, I guess, than to talk about sports. But um, I, I I start this because I guess this is a discussion I want to open up as well, cheating. But I've just been thinking, like, why have I been down lately? I'm like, well, I grew up as a huge sports fan. I love sports. I absorb it all the time. And... I never thought of it as just another fandom. I never thought of it like a fandom in the way that Star Wars fans like Star Wars and so forth. I felt so siloed as a sports fan. And then the way the media teaches people about sports is like, you're a man if you like sports, you're a nerd if you like Star Wars and that kind of stuff. So I really didn't <clears throat> think twice about this kind of stuff, but it wasn't until I moved to Boston, you know, the sports town. Um, even for a sports fandom standard, it's pretty sports obsessed. So I just didn't really start paying attention that sports is just another distraction until I moved out here. Um, so I've kind of drifted away. But lately, I've been not feeling like myself. I've been a little down and I'm like, well, what brought me happiness? And I'm like, I should revisit sports. I love watching, you know, concussion ball. I love watching the NBA. I love watching baseball i'm a huge baseball fan and i've been trying to like just toss myself into it and just like this used to make me happy what happened and i find myself just feeling disillusioned with it again and i'm like wow well sports is ruined by all the new stuff you know like and i'll run down the list but i'm like sports is ruined but it got me thinking like well, isn't it just the problem with every fandom? And, you know, I'll just kind of talk about some of the things that made me disillusioned with something I used to love for other things. Um, you know, first of all, I think social media effect, the world of instant reactions. We complain about it with news reports and media, like 100 people dead. And it was just like a car bumper and it, like a fender bender. And it's like Twitter is full of misinformation, but sports has just kind of followed the the same thing where people just tweet their instant reactions like oh lebron's mom or something and it's like a thousand likes you know and it's like totally like just totally destroys the critical thinking if there is that for sports the read the morning paper the next day and read a thorough thoughtful analysis of what you just witnessed and thought about as a little kid I never, after the Super Bowl, was like, let me see what they're saying on Twitter. I was like, I'm going to wait for the morning paper for that great, you know, great opinion article, yada, yada. So I'm just like, okay. So obviously, social media has disrupted it. Um, so I'm just like, that's a given. And then I was just like, so what else has ruined sports for me? Um, the talking head TV shows. Um, sports has just copied politics. So like, literally every show is just the five because every sports show is 
five guys yelling at each other and they never most of them never played you know which is so funny because i feel like at least in politics everybody votes in other things and other media consumption everyone who likes star wars you don't have to be john boyega to have an opinion on star wars you enjoyed it you can analyze cinematography and plot lines and stuff like that but for sports i go back and forth because i'm like is this just unique to sports that on men who never played sports are calling other men pussies for like not dunking the ball or making that touchdown so um i've kind of gotten disillusioned with that but i'm like isn't that happening to every fandom ever it, like the political talking headification of every fandom um so it just started making me feel like you know why am i feeling so selfish that sports is the only thing that's been ruined by today's media um there have been uh, some other things that i'm sure you guys have been inundated with like for instance looking at the notes here like um <clears throat> gambling like i cannot stand the gambling ads i don't know if you guys no. know a sports gambler but it's out of control and it's just going to be like the next big vice for a lot of americans if it wasn't already yeah it's insane um lots of sports people are predicting that the next sports scandal is going to be a sports writer in a betting scandal there's already been some shady stuff of a draft an NBA draft reporter the night of the draft tweeting, oh, Charlotte looks like they might take this guy. We're not sure. And everyone put the bets on and then they picked another guy. And then the guy is sponsored by a betting company. It's a big mess. So we're due mm -hmm. for some big kind of controversy there. That seems particularly sports specific. I know they gamble on politics. I believe it's I'm not sure if it's legal or not in the UK but and they're fascinated by our politics but uh that seems kind of a bit more sports specific um and really just the time suck with advertisements too like i don't know if growing up you guys had family members that would just like sit down and like it's football time to just drink beer and eat pizza and hit my wife like while i watch seven hours of football it's like all the bad stereotypes are like why does a football game take four hours to play so I've just found myself kind of like a little disillusioned and like lost, but I've been trying to rationalize it by saying these are the problems of every fandom. And when Seb went hard to start us off, like I was like, geez, I better see what <clears throat> some real minds have said. And it's not really uh, unique to, well, like for instance, Chomsky, when I was joking about Chomsky, you know, Chomsky, I think had the good take of like, you know, sports is the, the, the biggest distraction. Of course it, keeps people from worrying about things that matter to their lives that they might have some idea about doing something about. Um, he's like, why do I care about my high school team? If they win the game, I don't know anyone on the team, yada, yada. And then it gets into arguments of like, is that selfish? Support your community, all kinds of stuff. But I guess that mini rant is just really to open it up because um, I have to say, I've, I'm starting to feel a little selfish that I'm like, the thing I loved was ruined by media i guess it's really just all media and other factors but for your guys's interest i mean do you feel that it's impacted you guys in that way because i just feel like i don't know i felt like sports has been ruined by the media but when i think about mm -hmm. other fandoms i'm like that seems pretty normal so i don't know if anyone had an idea but to me i just feel like i'm an idiot this is happening to everything. It's not just unique to sports. Uh, 
Matt, Matt just had his finger up. I'm logging out of work real quick. One second. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, because, like, for instance, I used to watch, what is it, Fuse and all the video mm-hmm. game TV, like, all the all the nerdy stuff. Like, I've dabbled, maybe not so hard, but, like, there is no sports center for Star Wars, is there? Am I missing something? Like, I'm trying to think what the equivalent of, like, uh, you know, I, Matt's podcast is literally called This Week in Geek, but I'm wondering if there's, like, a mass consumption, like, everybody points to this one opinion of like you know is there a just few okay there we go i was gonna say like some sort of like conventional gathering get together like in terms of discussing fandoms i mean you can't get any better than like comic-con and that's just sort of encompasses it all uh e3 for video games where okay there you go but (laughs) um i like i i you're asking if there's sort of just like a conglomerated place or place of opinion yeah, because that people can gravitate towards. It's the whole thing about a young sports fan, it's like, what is our world? Uh, like ESPN, for example. And it's just like everyone complains about it. They're like, ESPN is ruining sports with the, the talk shows and with the gambling. But it made me think like this must be happening to other fandoms. I know sports is huge, but like. Is this happening to the Star Wars community? Is this happening to the Marvel fan base somehow? Is this happening? I won't even get into politics, but like, is this happening to more niche fandoms? I mean, like, as in terms of like Marvel and Star Wars, since you brought them up, like the mass commodification and consumerification of it, like sports has, I like. I think in the in, during like the pandemic and post pandemic, people like really gravitated towards sports because it's something we didn't have early pandemic. Like you couldn't go see a game. Like people couldn't compete in, in sports things. And like, um, I mean, esports it's themselves could have really like taken advantage of that, but they didn't because people who run esports things are stupid. Um, but like when you look at how how those have grown, um, how how sports has grown since then, and like it's become a, a mass market thing where like even with like Taylor Swift, the Taylor Swift of it all, like people are now who never would have watched football are now um, Kansas City Chiefs fans because of the the whole Kelsey uh, dating thing that's going on between them. Um, but when you look at like Marvel and Star Wars, when it became like something acceptable to the masses and something that they could easily like shove into everyone's face with like Disney Plus or like stuff like that it it got too big where at this point it's just they're cranking out content as fast as they can so all these sports shows they're cranking out content as fast as they can they're just trying to fight for eyes they're trying to fight for like the establishment of this is a long-running show we continuously produce content blah 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 we're building up our fandom um i i definitely think that's that's happened in the wake of like everything becoming more easily accessible online like you don't have to go to a certain channel to see like a certain sports coverage you can go to any like media channel like tnt fox abc whatever they're going to have their sports shows any of the, the local news is going to have their sports shows you can go online and some schmuck uh can and start their own sports blog or have their own sports podcast or whatever like the amount of reach that the internet has allowed like formerly niche interests to have has also i think made it to the point where it's too too wide where now it's just 
they want to saturate the market so they can drag even more fans into their net. They're trawling. They're not fishing. They're trawling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have had no idea about, well, okay, Fortnite is everywhere, but like, like the whole controversy with, um, I don't know what I'm talking about, like the finals and like, oh, it takes 130, 140 hours to get through the finals. And it's just like, this is something that would have never been exposed to before. But I'm like, is this something that fans like that, like random Joe Schmo who cares about the Eagles game on Sunday knows about the finals, like, and things like that. Like, I'm not sure if like, yeah, I guess it, it, it's diluting the content. I mean, if you're a true fan, like, what is the whole ethos of being a fan of just like, come on, come on in. We have room for you too. Like, well, they, they like the escapism that sports allows and the media that perpetuates it it allows for a non-stop constant stream of content i mean if you think about i hate to go back to this but if you think about the type of people who spend their entirety of their lives online getting suckered into whatever miscellaneous intellectual property has released this week i.e the consumer meme you go down a rabbit hole of escapism that's like okay, the community is there for you and will always be there for you. But similar to Mancini saying Hotel California, it's something that you can't leave. You can't because you've so much ingrained yourself and your identity into being a type of person that, in this instance, likes sports. That you can't do anything unless it is related to said sports. And I would go so far as to say that in the interest of sports gambling, yeah, finances and sports, let's mix those together. Better yet, let's make your own phone into that of a bet Fred and make it that much more accessible for people to make risky financial decisions in an already, I mean, I'm going to say risky, depending on who you ask, you, you would very well hear the answer as well being fixed in the world of sports market because like the stock market nobody knows which way it's going to turn nobody knows who's going to be traded who's going to perform which fantasy football team is going to outdo the other etc so it's like I, I see people go down this path sports especially of being so ingrained in the the culture of it that like they're too far gone and like it starts with the buying of the of the you know the paraphernalia of the of the repping you know the representation and i know we got into a conversation about this before of you know it it, it really it targets those based on geographic location. And it's like, you need to represent something bigger than yourself. Like you're representing an organization, which you are a cult. I'd go so far as to say that you're pro you go too far and you're going to do that too. Like a religion, you know, things like that. And it's like, these organizations love to disassociate yourself from your dissociate you from yourself in order to capitalize on the market of mob mentality. You know, have you ever gone to a sports game and only see one person in the bleachers? No, of course not. Because millions and millions of people 
show favoritism to such and such team of such and such area. And they're banking on the fact that because you are a part of XYZ area, you can theoretically demonize the opposition. Oh, and then just say it's in the name of, um, you know, loyalty to the to, to the group or whatever. I don't, I was going to say, I, I can't necessarily say that I share your pain of disillusionment regarding sports, but I definitely understand where you're coming from because I felt it too and numerous other uh you know intellectual like ip uh social circles so it's it's yeah. a shame no it's a good point like i guess that's really you're, you're speaking my point for me i guess because like okay how many articles are we going to read about like you know no pun intended i suppose the great depression that everyone sat after covid and it's like to matt's point of like we're over inundated with like content for everything nowadays it's like you know, I find myself yearning to like not be on social media, not use electronics, you know, nostalgic for the 90s, I, mm. say, I guess in a way where it's like, you know, I don't want to type in like, okay, I'll use a Star Wars example just because it's familiar, but it's like you type in Star Wars and it's like, how, how, like, are the first 10 videos going to be some screenshotted asshole's face, like with his mouth open of just like, and it's just like new Star Wars director comments, you know, is she a feminine, like, there's going to be like 50 videos like that when you look it up now. And I'm just like, is are like our fandoms and our other fandoms feeling down the same way. So I, I, I just feel like for sports, I've noticed it a lot with the gambling and that feels very unique to sports, but just with the ESPN and stuff. I mean, if you've ever been to a gym, there's more often than not, it's going to be some asshole talking about sports versus actual highlights. So I'm just disappointed with the way things have gone there. And like, actually, Ryan, now that you're in Massachusetts, I'm curious if you've noticed any different relationship out here that the people have with sports or if they seem crazier or if like you think people, I don't know, is it a different level of fandom that you've seen? Um, I, I don't know. So far... It's been very recognizable, but I think as well, and I, I still haven't really grasped it, uh, grasped it yet, even despite the fact that it's been well over a year that I've lived here, that, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel yet like there's the sense of mutual identity between, I don't know, say the the i don't know the red Sox and you know your average massachusetts resident whereas you know in la the dodgers and and especially just dodgers caps i mean that in of itself it, it's it's kind of like when i see people wearing yankees hats over here and i have to sort of remind myself like oh yeah i'm actually that much closer to closer to new york that this is believable um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I see people every day wearing a Red Sox hat. You know, there's always Patriots news that I just don't care about. But, um, oh, there comes the police. They're after me. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, certainly, I see the fandom. I see the excitement. Um, you know, Taylor's brother will talk with friends about football and it's like another language, you know, it, it's, it's not that far off from, you know, no offense, it's not that far off from like, 
sitting next to Pete and Kenny talk about football, and you're just like, huh? What? Huh? Who? Huh? Hey, how about that halftime show with, uh, I don't know, J-Lo or whatever. Like, you know, to, re to recount an age-old discussion. Um, that really happened. But I think it was J-Lo. I think she was half of that discussion. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm certainly aware of it, but it's it's not as like it doesn't feel as obnoxious yet. I mean, to a degree, it is, especially when I see like you know people bundled up in their Patriots jackets or whatever, and you know I obviously know who the Patriots are. I even I knew who they were before I moved here, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I won't fault people if, especially here, I won't fault people if that's their thing, especially the more that I understand about people in, in this state, the more I'm like, okay, I get why this is a big deal, or Duncan is a big deal. If someone's wearing, like, something Duncan-themed, it's, oh, can't mess with that, but once I'm out of Massachusetts, hey, Starbucks lady, you're looking pretty fine right now, so, <laughs> you know, and I'm talking about the logo, so, but... Okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, that's just like the, the big disillusionment. Like, it's not like I'm also calling for like the good old days when like, you know, like if you see a Yankee cap in downtown Boston, you're like, let's jump him. And it's like, or like, you know, it's or the thing where it's just like you see a guy in a Star Wars shirt and then you're like, let's jump him. So it's just like, I don't know. I just feel like there's just been, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here, but it just feels like, um, I don't know, man, like the passion is dying. I felt that way about sports and I just have been so disconnected from things that I'm just curious if it's going on elsewhere. But um, it, it does seem so. I mean, the whole Star Wars discussion that started off the show, like what happened to just debating like, you know, what's the best color lightsaber? You know, like it's just <laughs> that, it, it that, sucks. that completely died because people would rather. Sorry, my mouth's full. <laughs> <laughs> they would rather attribute more so the politics of the lightsaber rather than the color. We are no longer kids arguing on the playground anymore. We are people with prefront prefrontal lobes. We have a more developed brain, granted, and we're more interested in the politics and policies behind these movies. It's why I can go back to the prequel trilogy and be like, eh, they were all right. I mean, they're no four, five, and six, but compared to seven, eight, and nine, oh, they were really all right. Okay. Well, and I think In comparison. So it's it's us maturing and us aging to a point where it's like, you know, we need to. I mean, we could just be a simpleton and say, "I like blue, I like red, whatever." But you know, if if this show has taught me anything, it's to really flex that public speaking muscle and speak your mind and do so in a way that can be articulated as adults are expected to do. And so, yeah. So Drew comic book nerds have the, uh, the, the comic book shop game nerds have GameStop movie nerds have like a, a lot of other places you can go watch a movie, like just like blockbusters when they existed <laughs> The sports bar. What is Netflix, your thought about it? Redbox. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, like for for like physical interaction and socialization, the sports oh, yeah. kind of be like the layman's mecca for 
getting together with the pals, having a few drinks, and having a good time watching the game. Your thoughts on them and how they impact Boston culture? Yeah, Discuss. No, it, it, it's interesting because, and I don't know if me and Ryan have been to a sports bar at the same time, but like out here, it's like, and I haven't been to LA in eight years, or I haven't been to LA regularly for eight years, but like it's a level of camaraderie that I did never felt like in LA at some of the sports bars. I don't care about the Boston teams, but it's like the game's on, you know, and like seeing people cheer for the Patriots or something like that. It almost feels like the old days. And it's funny because Boston is like at the gist of it, it's really an old city. And I don't mean that like in some literal or funny sense, but like, it's just like, have you seen those streets? Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Paul Revere was watching the Patriots. It's like, they're all little old bars and it's almost like a, 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 a throwback in time to walk in and to see people going crazy for the game on TV. But I never felt that in LA and it's almost like, and I hate to stand up for the East coast, but it's just like, this almost feels like the last stand for, as you described, like the layman's escape. I hate to say layman because a lot of sports fans love star Wars. I'm sure of it, but it's just like, um, it just, Boston feels kind of like a sort of last stand. There's sports bars everywhere, but like I never felt this way in LA um, in in a sports bar or in a sports setting. LA has a rep for not being a great sports town, however. But um, yeah, I just feel like obviously the pandemic has distanced a lot of people, but um, I just see in reading sports everywhere I could read it, it's just so much disillusionment with um, how... Uh, the politicization of it, you know, and it's like um, the way politics has intersected sports. It's really turned a lot of people off. I think there's important things to analyze there, like just like how, you know, it was important that the stormtroopers were reminiscent of Nazi storm uh, Nazi soldiers and Star Wars. So, like, you know, it's not that I don't want any politics in my sports and I'm never going to be like, oh, he painted his cleats. He's kneeling. Kill him. Like, no, like, I, but I think it's also kind of driven down a lot of attitudes, but I suppose it's crossed over into everything when given today's Star Wars discussion and given the climate of Harvard presidents resigning for being black and, and plagiarizing and other nonsense. So I guess it's just a sign of the times. This is just an old man yells at cloud rant. Maybe I'm just realizing I'm getting old, but um, yeah, I just had to take a step back and um look up that Chomsky quote where he's just like sports is for those dumbasses that don't read. So like, that's just how I feel. I mean, I think something that like contributes to that uh, stereotype of, against people who are big fans of sports is like, whenever there's a big like championship and someone wins, there's going to be riots in both towns, even if they won, like yeah. you destroy your own city when your team wins and loot everything or like, oh no, this person at this stadium is wearing a different color jersey than me. I'm going to go kill him, kind of a thing. I think for me, that's what's really turned me off against like big sports fans. And like, I mean, it's so funny. You, you see like a lot of people like in LA just like rocking the, the Raiders jerseys when like, it's like, oh, I'm going to stay away from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Whereas like, if, if, Whereas I, I'm going to keep going to the well of Star Wars because it's familiar. But like if you go to a convention and like someone's wearing a Darth Maul shirt and then you're wearing a Qui-Gon shirt, you guys are going to start fighting, you know, like 
I don't understand, like, you know, of course, that level of vitriol is never going to, I don't want to say never, but, like, that level of vitriol seems so far from crossing into the world of nerdum versus, like, sportsdom. And maybe it's just the violent nature of football and other sports and alcohol is involved. But um, I guess that's where I kind of still see that separation of, like, is sports different? Because sports fans are angry, drunk plumbers and people going to Comic-Con are college kids. So... Um, maybe that's why I feel that it's separated. Well, and I think as well, um, you know, you mentioned about social media kind of in some ways impacting the, you know, just fandom discussions of, you know, what about this or what if this happened? Um, to, to jump into something that I guess I don't really know if I'd consider it niche anymore. I mean, it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the last decade plus, but, um, you know, Doctor Who is a good example where, I mean, when I was younger, I didn't have social media, I wasn't looking on social media, but from what I was able to understand, and especially after I did get on social media, for the most part, there was fondness for the show, and there was also just the typical criticism of, oh, I, uh, this wasn't a, this wasn't well written, but because everything else has become as politicized as it has, and then you get to a point where they have a female doctor, and also the writing is really bad, it becomes even much more just poisonous and gross. And now we're in this new age where we have a black doctor, it's a new era, it's on Disney+, and the haters are already out there to give it a hard time, despite the fact that it's being run by the guy that they cheered was coming back. So, is it a good time to be a fan of Doctor Who? Only the kaiju. You'll never know. <laughs> I, I love how it started off with sports and Ryan ends it by talking about Doctor Who, but I uh, appreciate the, uh, the uh, old man yells at cloud segment. All right. Three, two, now. Oh, okay. Um... Where to even begin? 200 episodes, my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe we got to this point and uh, somehow gotten almost 7,000 views. Uh, 7,000 views. 7,000 listens. Uh, more specifically, 6,969 listens. Uh, and on top of that, it's almost really more not to really go down like a pseudo Doctor Who rabbit hole where it's like, oh no, actually he's lived for this long. Oh no, actually he's had this many lives. I feel like at this point we probably have almost closer to 300 given all the miniseries and bonus episodes. I didn't go back and count. I know I did all of my, you know, data searching for episode 100, but I didn't do it for this one. I just did the bare minimal and bare minimum and just went with how many people have including us have taken the time to listen to us so um yeah 200 so weird um so at this point i do have a topic but i'll get to that in a little bit uh because first off i got to see sebastian and matt uh which was already talked about earlier got to go back uh to the west coast Started in Vegas because Spirit decided to make the layover in Vegas 
go from two hours to nine hours. It's spirit. What do you want? They were going to lay over my flight for seven hours coming from Arizona. I, what? Uh, okay. I, I know. I'm not, but... I'm not saying if you touch the stove, you'll get burned, but I think you got burned. So, you know what? It still made for a great part of our trip. You know, it was Taylor and I, we flew across the country and first yeah, flight together. Good. And, you know, I think it was the first time she had been to Vegas. It's been the first time since I've been there as an adult. Um, last time I was there, I think I was 11, and it was surprise, surprise to see a Beatles show, uh, Cirque du Soleil one, and yeah, we made the best of it, we had a lot of fun, and then we got a rental car, um, it wasn't a great white whale, like in Fear and Loathing, but we had the 70s soundtrack ready to go, and we were well off to... Santa Chlamydia, and it was great, um, except until it rained, and then we were like, oh, shoot. And then the same thing happened again in the last five hours we were at Disneyland. So, uh, but hey, Galaxy's Edge, pretty fun, even though you got to remind yourself it's supposed to be Star Wars. Um, I'd forget, and then I'd see a droid next to the Coca-Cola thing, uh, and it would say Coca-Cola in a weird alphabet, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, Star Wars, I forgot. Uh, there's something... A lot of people probably wish I would say more often. Oh yeah, Star Wars, I forgot about that. Uh, and I got to see Sebastian and uh, and Matt, and they got to meet Taylor. So it was wonderful. So happy to see you guys. So happy to exchange gifts. Um, little did I know that Taylor and I would grab food, and Matt was like, Oh yeah, I'm just over at the mall by myself waiting for you guys with food and a cocktail and I'm just like oh boy he's oh he hasn't even read Sebastian's book yet and he's already living the life oh boy so we <laughs> went over there um so yeah no it was it, it was wild to be back it was great to see everybody um have great Mexican food get street tacos that were cheap. It was amazing. It was like, oh my god. It, it's... Oh, wonderful. So, and Taylor had a phenomenal time. Uh, the family enjoyed having both of us there. Uh, there were there was a, a little bit of whining, but, you know, it's what happens at the holidays. And when it's your birthday. So, um... And then I literally got back to my apartment, like, yesterday. Even though I, for a part of, like... Like, New Year's, I was already in Massachusetts, but I didn't get back to Worcester until, um, or no, it wasn't yesterday, it was Tuesday night. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's weird that, like, half a month went by, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm now at that point. Um, so, a few other things I'll just quickly ramble off before I get to the, I guess my main topic, that deserves poking and prodding because it drove me nuts before I left and it drove me nuts when I came back and ready to be the old man on my soapbox. Um, so first things first, uh, whatever this episode is, the finale, the premiere, we've reached the milestone. Um, if anything else, with regards to this show, I can simply say that I'm amazed at the fact that we've gone on for as long as we have, and simply the fact that even though when we started the season, I think I said, 
something to the effect of like, okay, I think we're gonna go a little slimmer this season, and we're we're definitely gonna take it easy and still have a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and I'm pretty sure we ended up doubling or tripling our episode count this season. Yeah. So, because by the time I got to the final episode of Falling Middle Cast, I think it was already, like, I don't know, early, mid-fall. So, mm -hmm. it was, it was kind of, and that, I think it was recorded, like, before my first trip to California in 2023. Um, yeah. That was, that was a while some... ago. We just had some ideas that we were experimenting, and I don't think either of us knew at the time that they would work. I'm glad that they did, and I'm excited for what's in store regarding any sort of auxiliary component of the show because I know that those can, I know that those have a place among the lore here as well. Mm hmm. So. And I'm glad that we were able to organize them in the capacity that we have been. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I look back on the season, and despite the fact there are many, you know, the whole season I'm proud of, there are certain episodes that I'm particularly proud of, but I think the one facet of the season that I'm happiest with, and in hindsight, I'm still extraordinarily glad and thankful, especially to you, Sebastian, for, for joining me on it, um, and, and for even accepting my proposal of being like, hey, that book I got you for Christmas, that could make for a good miniseries. Um, I mean, it, it made for not only the most harebrained you and I have probably ever been on this show, excluding 2020, um, but in just terms of thought and theory, it was probably the most we, I don't know, I don't want to say revealed ourselves, per se, but we we sort of just laid down all of our thoughts and knowledge on the world around us and the history leading up to 1989 when the book came out. Um, but mm -hmm. for the most part, that led us to leads us to this moment. So uh, that's something I'm always going to be grateful for and, you know, what the next miniseries will be, I have no idea. Um, I will say, though, uh, somewhat kind of derivative of Mars on Life, except I think it'll be its own thing. Uh, even though we still need to get the ball rolling, uh, there could be another podcast of mine in the works uh, with a co-host who's not anybody else on this show, I'm afraid. Um, it is somebody that everyone knows, so but that's something that will hopefully... I don't know, get started maybe in the coming months. We shall see. Uh, I know for a fact that I will be coming to Mars on Life to say, hey guys, I have a podcast and I'm going to spend the next hour to promote it. Remember that, Sebastian? <laughs> Remember that, Pete and Kenny? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm happy. Uh, as someone who's constantly been juggling multimedia audio mediums for god knows how long it's i mean it's uh it's an uphill battle and i can safely say that it's 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 very fulfilling and i'm i i look forward to it i really do when you when you approach me with the premise 
and said that this was something that you were expanding on doing or thinking about expanding on doing with this co-host, I was very excited. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what you two bring to the table. And, you know, if there's any, if there's any help I can, I can give you in terms of auditory supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Drew. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> if there's any help you need in, in regards to getting all that equipment set up, just, just let me know. Yeah, of course. Um, and and on top of that, I mean, you know, I, I make that announcement, and people are probably wondering, like, oh, is this is this Ryan pulling a, you know, are are the Beatles breaking up? Not at all. Um, if anything else, you know, I I looking into the future, I know I've got um, a good deal of decision making on my plate in terms of just everything else I've got going on in my life outside of the podcast. Um, that I'm excited to continue getting the ball rolling on. I know I'm probably going to be dedicating a lot of my weekend to that, but as well, uh, you know, what does it all mean for even my own future on this show? Uh, I mean, I, all I'd say is don't worry. It's not like I'm, it's not like I will leave Mars on life permanently ever in the future in whatever capacity that it exists in, you know, it say, who knows, there could be a, a Mars on life, the next generation and Sebastian drew Matt and I come back kind of the same way. James Doohan shows up in star Trek, the next generation to be like, Hey, what happened to the enterprise? You know, like, and you're just like, what the hell Scotty doing in this show? So, uh, no, it's not going to be like that, but certainly I see myself taking a, a little bit of a different role in season five, and, you know, whatever that role may be, I still look forward to seeing whatever the content looks like. And I need to get... I, okay, minor digression, because I keep saying it, and I just did, and I'm mad at myself for it. I just said content. I wish one of you guys could just slap me for saying that right now. I can't stand the word content. It's just, it's everywhere I look. On Twitter, I don't care if it's called X anymore, X now. Twitter, YouTube, uh, whatever tech bros out there that are talking about brands and showing off your content. I just, I, I mean, imagine like going back in time and being like, hmm, not not so sure about this content, Vincent. Maybe you should pick a different set of flowers instead of irises or sunflowers. Like, I mean, you don't sound too con you don't sound too content. Jeez, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> but it's, I, it's honestly that's it. I mean, that's the only joke I had. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, you know, anyway, it, it's it, it'll remain to be seen what my role with the show is uh going forward. You know, it's it's certainly not goodbye, but you know, you you'll whatever this episode is, a finale, a premiere, hey, I'm here for it. So, um but yeah, I'm I'm certainly excited to see how the show continues on. Um obviously trying to expand it the way that we have or the way that we wanted to wasn't really going to happen thanks to the pandemic. 
Um, certainly in the years since, it's become a little bit easier to have that happen. And then that changed again, especially knowing that now half the show is on one coast, half the show's on the other. So, um, who knows? There could be a chance for more episodes quite like, uh, what was it? Fudchuckers? Yeah. You know, like, uh, like, like in, in, in the field, in the wild. Yeah. Like kind of episodes more like if anything, it, it's akin to sort of one of my, one of my original ideas of the show, but isolating it to the fact that like, Hey, we got two guys over here and two guys over here. Okay. You guys go that way and you guys go to Roscoe's chicken and waffles, you know, so, or whatever <laughs> the hell it might be. So, um, it certainly gives a little bit more leeway in that sense. And obviously I know a lot of other things are in motion with everyone else on the show. So I know it may not be always feasible, but Hey, in a lot of ways, this show was meant to be about expanding it to a point where you could have some kind of, you know, artistic collective of sorts. And we, we just continue on, with whoever we have, you know, and I, I say that from the standpoint of, you know, if people stick around, if more people join, you know, if it winds up becoming the magic school bus, it could be a little bit messy. Um, I'm not going to do the rest of the Miss Frizzle quote, but you know, it's, yeah, it, at this point we're, we are on the edge of actually getting to say, Hey, we could still do that. So I think that's the kind of, that's my self-reflecting, you know, I, I, we did a little bit of that in episode 100, certainly to a degree in episode 50, I think. Um, now, one thing, one thing that has driven me nuts since before I left for California and since I got back, what is the deal with calling the Golden Coast Cali? I did not grow up with it. I have honestly, for the most part, have heard it from either people from outside the state. And that's actually it. Uh, so I, 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 there was at least one other thing recently, literally in the last 24 hours, where it mentioned Cali. And it was by, I think it was by a news outlet in SoCal. It was either KTLA or, I don't know, they were talking about snow between Vegas and L.A., and they mentioned Cali, and I was like, they're doing it, you know. So I'm just, I'm like, is this real? Am, am I being gaslit? Is it Mandela effect? I don't know what it is. What 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 is this, guys? What is this? Yeah, this is definitely your old man yells at cloud moment, because <laughs> if, if you can't, if you can't handle abbreviations, I don't know how <laughs> you survive in the world, like... <laughs> You know, you live in Massachusetts. For the life of me, seven times out of ten, I can't spell Massachusetts correctly. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, oh, yeah, Mass. Yeah. Yeah, Cali. And it's, I mean, it sucks that you have to deal with it. You know, you, you this is your cross. You have to bear it. However... To your point, I do understand your frustration because you often associate these abbreviations with, I believe it was Drew's words, um, 
mouth breathing knuckle draggers who uh you know throw up the hang loose sign and say bro ad nauseum you're right it is kind of uttered in such a way that is it's very uh it's juvenile right yeah so when you have it elevated to the highest levels of media and you have you know it's it's commonplace vernacular it makes me wonder you know i I get it a 10 letter word is hard to say it's hard to spell so let's just abbreviate it to four um i I don't know i'm wondering why we call this the golden coast there ain't no gold here city of (laughs) angels fucking where (laughs) angels went back to heaven you look at this land and you you do not consider it holy, my friend. Okay, <laughs> I I do not I, I do not understand the 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 types of names that people give this place, thinking that it deserves it. Honestly, not even joking. Simply because of the weather. Oh, you can get any weather if you go to certain parts of California. You can go to the beach in twenty minutes and go to the mountains in an hour. Mm-hmm. It's as if people haven't heard of landlocked states with mountains and lakes. <laughs> the elements are there too. You just have to drive, oftentimes with less of a population. Go figure. Um, yeah. What? Well, you know, I, I I adjust my my collar shirt, you know, my fro, and I tip my mic a certain way and say, "What's the deal?" But you know, really, what mm-hmm. is the deal? Uh, I don't get it. I think it's out of towners. I think you know California has been inundated oh, with especially, so many out of towners. Especially, yeah. You don't yeah. go to you don't go to Arizona and you're like, hey, what's up, AZ? You know, you don't say that. Zoners, yeah, like you know, Arkansas. I, I, what's up, AK? You put a forty-seven. You, have, <laughs> you know, now it's a problem. Hey, I'm from the ten. What Tennessee? No, like. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like, who says SoCal? Because I feel like even SoCal is an mm. abbreviation that, like, I don't know for news purposes, but... It sounds very much like a redacted quote. It's like, hey, where are you from? Northern California. You know, you have to say it in a very um, Ben Stein-esque voice if you have to not not abbreviate it. So people, by thinking that they can abbreviate it, they're in... They're uh, embedding their own personality in it. Where are you from? Oh, yeah, you know, SoCal. Oh, you're despicable in every way and um, getting out of the state. <laughs> I, I've i done that a lot in the last month or so with people here. Where I'll, I, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't care. SoCal. SoCal, SoCal, SoCal. And, you know, I'm sure they're looking at me and thinking I'm a bloodthirsty heathen. In fact, I was at a, like, I don't know what you'd call it, post-Hanukkah, pre-New Year's Eve party, and kind of hybrid of the two, and you, there was some guy so there. so much time, sorry, you spent so much time in that time frame between Hanukkah and New Year, you just can't admit that it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Well, okay, it was on December 29th. There you go. Um, oh, all right. There was a, a gentleman there who... Uh, how do how do I even describe him? All all I'll say is that uh, he displeased a lot of people at this party. He he was a newbie, and a lot of people had a lot of thoughts about him. He was very pretentious, very odd. Um, said a lot of really weird things to a 
friend of the family that he's currently kind of close to, and uh, at least at one point it resulted in a lot of people thinking they had a good nickname until I came forward and said his nickname is because he's and everyone lost it because they were like, and that's as much as I'll say. At one point, I'm talking with this schmuck, and at one point, he says something to the effect of, like, you know, I, I told him, hey, just got back from California, went to Disneyland, went to downtown Los Angeles, uh, had great food, went to Musso and Frank's, you know, had a wonderful time, and he drove through the desert, it was wonderful, um, I was like Sala in that crappy Indiana Jones movie, I miss the desert, um, and then at some point, and then at some point, he says something along the lines of, it's great, it's great to come back to where you're from, it's great to come back to whatever hole you came from. And it rubbed me enough in the wrong way where, I mean, I, by that point I ignored it because I just wanted to steer clear from the guy. Um, and then the more he was repeating the same jokes and stories to people, the more I was getting annoyed, as well as the one moment where I turned around, he's sitting in a chair, and I can see his butt crack, and I just turned my head right back again. I was like, nope. Um, but, yeah, there there is that, like, that struggle with, you know, people that who, who are from outside of California projecting, in a way, their own thoughts and feelings and then fueling that into the word Cali. I mean, I even got that with somebody one per, one individual i know who will go completely un, unidentified um about why she doesn't even want to live there even though she does her absolute best to act as if she's a valley girl but her accent absolutely betrays her so uh and she'd say callie callie and i'm just like stop so uh yeah i don't know it I wish I wish it wasn't a thing, but and even you know yeah you're right Sebastian like Massachusetts like I'll say Mass I have to write it every damn day you know like at least thirty times probably um, per day but I don't know I mean call me crazy California rolls off the tongue a little bit better I don't know I'm not trying to be not trying to be like, you know, hey, Massachusetts, get a new name. That's going to be like that Cheech Marin joke of Arizona trying to, like, make uh, English the official language and then rename everything, you know, with a Latin name and replace it with a more Angl Anglican name. Uh, and he was like, okay, so then what the hell are you going to call Arizona? Are you, gonna, are you just going to call it the state of iced tea? Like, what... What are you talking about? You know, so uh, yeah, I don't know. That that is my old man. Hotel Cali. Oh jeez. Ugh. Yeah, Hotel Cali. You take um, you take every single song, every single piece of media. You replace California with Cali. It has the same like you know same message. It's the same geographic location, but it's more. It's more like fraternalized, not fraternized. It's fraternalized, like the type of people that you would associate with saying the word. Mm -hmm. 
the inflection is different now. Like it's it's more despicable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, believe me, I, I I couldn't hear the mamas and papas say Callie Dreamin or I don't know. Uh, I remember walking. Alone. I remember walking into a bar with with my friend, and it was like a pub, and they had the whole list of IPAs on you know like some chalkboard or whatever. You know, they're trying to be cute with the names. I get it. And one of the drinks was called Callie Freeman. Yeah. Like, I guess it was supposed to be like a cream soda. Um, <laughs> I don't think any self-respecting straight man in their mid to late 20s would verbally request that. Give me that but, Fernando Creamen, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but I felt like I had to be the guinea pig for once. And be like, hey, can I get a Valley cream in, please? She's like, what was that? And I'm like, oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, it was all right. You know, as far as, uh, I guess, Cali beers go, Cali alcohol, Cali anything, it's more about the name and the quote-unquote experience you're getting from it. The experience I got was a bad buzz, but a pretty decent meal. So, Golden I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Golden Road's about out what, here everywhere too. About what I expected. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's my soapbox moment. I still got two and a half minutes. My God. Uh should we just end the episode at the two and two and a half minutes or what do we It just ends with the Godzilla roar, you know? Copyrighted? Maybe. You take the chance. <laughs> Uh, what is I the mean, dis <laughs> yeah. What is it? What is it? Oh, nothing. I was just like, we got to wrap it with Disney. I mean, doesn't Disney have a ride like Cali soaring over Cali, right? Yeah, soaring over California. Just soaring. Yeah, yeah, soaring over California. Um, something I wish I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, if there's any parting words that you could that you could give, I suppose now would be a good time as any. Um, and we'll just have the Godzilla sound effect interrupt us when it does. Pretty much. Uh, Lore's still yours, so. I know, yeah. It's, that's, that's, the, that's what scares me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, if anything else, listeners, you know, you have the opportunity to go back to the whole catalog. There are now 200 episodes of this show that you can listen to. Yes, a good chunk of them sound a little hairy because of the audio situation that I was maligned for. Uh, that wins. I was Damn wind tunnel. For. It was a witch hunt. Let me tell you, it was a big witch hunt against me. I, I, I thought, I thought, I said to Seb, 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 why don't we use the Skype? We're like adults. Skype. We're adults. We learn from our mistakes. <laughs> You know, we're not using TeamSpeak. We don't. We're not using Skype anymore. No need to crucify us. We've learned our lesson. God, yes, we wish we would have realized it sooner. That's part of being an adult. All right. It, <laughs> I'm glad we realized it when we did, and we didn't have our 200th episode sound like complete utter dog shit. <laughs> awesome. I'm hoping episode 300 will 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 be in the metaverse. Well, okay, maybe, oh maybe well. 
maybe to Matt's chagrin, but I'm hoping that there will be an audio medium better than the WAV or MP3 that we are currently at now. A boy can dream. A boy can dream. Lossless. Oh yeah, there you go. You want to? You you want gigabytes of audio? Try (laughs) Flack. Yeah, yeah. Spotify is gonna love that. Oh God. Well. Well, it's all right. Oh, it's not gonna play. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen. Comrades and friends, this has been the 200th episode of Mars on Life. Happy New Year, and if anything else, quite simply, cheers. Mars on Life is a podcast co-hosted by Sebastian Shug, Ryan Mancini, Andrew Martinez, and Matt Fernandez. If you like this episode, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite shows, as Mars on Life is available on Anchor, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Audible, Spotify, and Podchaser. Find us on Instagram at Mars on Life Show to keep up with the latest news, episodes, and gratuitous updates on the Red Planet. Have a question, comment, or request? Email us at marsonlife at gmail.com, and we'll promptly get back to you. This show's artwork, titled Happy Mars, was drawn by Zachary Urbrick. Our show's regular intro and outro music is Space Explorers, by the one and only Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening, and always remember, if you keep going, you'll make it to Mars.